Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Rowing Chat, the podcast for rowers. I'm Rebecca Caro, and today this episode is sponsored by the Rowing Directory. If you want to find a gift, an alternative supplier of accessories or electronics or boats or clothing, we've got loads of them listed for you. I've been searching around the world for all the different people who have businesses that are associated with rowing. So you could find yourself at rowing camp, you could find yourself a coach, you can find yourself a training program, you could find a nice gift for somebody. Go to rowing.chat and look at the top menu where it says directory and you'll find them all listed by category. And if there's a business that you think should be there and isn't, please get in touch. Now, today, I'm delighted to welcome, as my guest on Rowing Chat, Alex Ribas. Hello. Hi. Hi, Rebecca. It's lovely to have you here. And I want to say that I wanted to say you're the first Brazilian rower who's been on the podcast, but I'm afraid I discover it's not true. Can you guess who I previously interviewed at London 2012? London. I know. Oh, I don't know. It was before then. Um, the woman single scholar. Ah, uh, Fabiana. Fabiana, who yeah. was delightful. We had a, a very fun time, mainly because my Portuguese is zero and her English is pretty good. <laughs> so, Alexandre, tell everybody a bit about you and where you row. Okay. Uh, I'm a Brazilian. I live in the city of Sao Paulo. I'm 50. And I started rowing when I was 15. Uh, I'm a, I, um, I have a company. Actually, I work for an American company here in Brazil for 20 years. I married. I have three kids. Uh, so, and I have been an entrepreneur since I was 26 years old. Uh, what else? <laughs> so who, who got you started in rowing? I started because I was in the school vacation, doing nothing, like uh, eating sweet stuff, listening to music with a friend. And uh, we were really, really, we were bored. And he said, I have a friend who is rowing. And I had no idea what was rowing at that time. And, uh, and then I talked to my mother and she talked to her sister. And uh, her sister, my aunt said, my daughter is dating a guy who is a rower. Oh, so, and then he took us there to the rowing club. And then we were six at the beginning. And uh, I was the only one who stayed there. <laughs> As usual, I believe, like from yeah. like 100 at the end, one or two stays uh, for competition, I mean. Yes. What so was the, the name of the club in Sao Paulo? The name is Corinthians. It's the same of the soccer, the soccer team. Oh, yes. This is yeah. interesting because in your part of the world, bear in mind, I live in New Zealand, you often have combined clubs where they do several different sports. Is this quite normal? This is very interesting uh, because most of the soccer teams or at least the most popular teams started yeah. as a rowing club. In oh. Rio and Sao Paulo, yeah. And, and rowing 
in Sao Paulo and in Rio was more popular than soccer at the beginning. So if you go to, for instance, Flamengo, Flamengo was started as a rowing club, Vasco da Gama, Corinthians, many many important soccer clubs in Brazil started this as a rowing club. And then came soccer, uh, came soccer, and uh, and then uh, usually, for instance, in the weekends, the families used to go to the lakes and rivers to watch, to watch rowing competitions, okay? uh, and then changed. At least in Sao Paulo, changed. One of the reasons was because of the the river became very polluted, uh, and then the rowing moved to this to the University of São Paulo, which was a new place, uh, a rowing course, uh, and uh, and then came soccer with the TV uh, and uh, soccer games on the TV and etc. Um, and then soccer became the most popular sport in Brazil. Yeah, so the Brazilians went crazy for soccer and, of course, yeah, multiple yeah. world champions. Are you, yeah. Am I right? Brazil has been world champion more than any other country? Yeah, Maybe five not. times. Five times. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> when, when I came to the Rio Olympics, uh, we visited Sao Paulo, but I didn't find the rowing club. But I remember uh, we were out in the streets in the evening and there was uh, a big soccer game from the Olympics going on. And these tiny little corner rooms that were maybe a bar with space for like 15 people inside and they would have the television and people were standing outside in the streets, the moms with the kids, and they were all watching the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Rio, rowing is very popular. Uh, out of the four more important soccer um, uh, clubs in Rio, three, three have rowing. Flamengo, Vasco da Gama, and Botafogo. And the rowing competitions in Rio are really tough, are really popular also. So probably it's, it's the city where we have the rowing, where rowing is more developed in Brazil is in Rio. And that's, I happen to know there's a, a, a successful German coach called Bernhard Stomperowski. I think he is coaching at Flamengo. Flamengo? Yeah, Flamengo. Flamengo. Yeah. yeah, and they all do they all row on the Lagoa de Freitas? Yeah, yeah. Lagoa Rodrigo de Freitas. Thank you. I'm not going to <laughs> correct my pronunciation, but uh, it was a fabulous venue, and of course, that was where we had all of those amazing photographs from the Rio Olympics with um, the city in the background. And yeah, I got lost one day and I was trying to return to my hotel and I got on a bus. And the bus ended up, I think, just going around most of the outside of the lake. And I discovered that I had no clue where I was. It was very interesting as a sightseeing, but it wasn't so good for, for me for public transport. So rowing in Brazil, there is obviously a national team, there is a federation and a lot of local competitions. The young Alex, what, how did he get excited? Why was he the one kid out of six who decided to stay rowing? Before I tried soccer, basketball, tennis, and uh, just when I went to the rowing club that I was really, how can I say, something happened and I stayed. Uh, I was a really uh, weak young person 
and I don't know why I stayed and uh, and I really loved the sport and I made a lot of friends, uh, good coaches, you know, when everything goes well and uh, and uh, I I had the support of my parents uh, to go because my mother had to take me to yes, the <laughs> after school. Yeah. Uh, so, and then I, I would say that the environment was really, really, really great. Good people, uh, good values. And uh, that's why probably for many reasons I stayed there. And, uh, and then I, I, I liked to compete. And then I started to compete. Yeah, I, I was, I was just. Uh, I, some people will not like about what I'm going to say, but at the beginning I was a loser because I was just losing, rowing for Corinthians. <laughs> and then we had another club that was always winning, and I said I want to be a winner. I don't want to be a loser, so I'm going to change my rowing club. Yes. And then I, <laughs> I moved to the other one, at the, and the name is Bandeirante. Club de Regatas Bandeirante, the one I, I'm rowing now. And the people there were really great. And uh, and then I had a better conditions for my training. And then I became, I started to win. And then I, it was even better. When you were in those young days, when you were still at school, what boats were you rowing in? I started the first. The first was the four with Cox. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then, and the eight also. Oh yes. And, yeah. The the pair with Cox, four with Cox, the eight. So and all then, of the boats first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. when I moved to the other rowing club. Then I started the copless pair, and then I, I that's the that that's the boat the boat that I rode the rode the most. Uh, I still rode that boat, copless pair. So, my favorite boat, I think, of all time is the copless pair. <laughs> talk talk to me about what is it about the pair that makes it so special? You obviously love it. Which one? The sorry, copless pair. What is what is it about that? Why is a pair uh, so special for you? I, I, I believe uh, the cockless pair is the most difficult boat to row, but for me it's the easiest because I rode that boat since I was, uh, I don't know, since I was 19. Uh, and I, I'm still rowing with the same partner. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, obviously, sometimes I row with other people, but uh, with the same partner. So he's a really, really close friend. We are. He's my rowing brother. I would say. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, What's his name? Beto. Beto yeah. Nascimento. Roberto José Roberto Nascimento or Beto Nascimento. Uh, so when we row or when we compete, for instance, I love yes. to compete with him. We don't need to talk. It's, it seems like we, <laughs> we can communicate just with our, with, uh, our thinking. Uh, so it's really easy, nice, 
and when you, you row that boat with a good partner, it's really a nice sensation. And and for as I, as I said, it's for me for me it's the easiest boat to row, easier than Class Four or the Eight or the Four Skiff, Double Skiff, or Single it's Skiff. A really, yeah, it's a really good example of how you get a, an extreme benefit after your second, third, fourth year together. The benefit far outweighs the strength of the athletes, the height of the athletes, their skill, that somehow there is something that comes together and adds like 10%, 15% of, of speed advantage. Sorry, I didn't understand the question. So, when you have been together for many years, you have an advantage over all of the other crews who have not had, in your case, ah, 20 oh yeah. years yeah, maybe yeah. rowing together. Yeah, for, yeah. For us, it's like riding a bicycle when we rode together, for instance, uh, and we we understand each other. We when he knows when 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 I'm not in a good mood, I know when he's not in a good mood. Uh, so we are much more flexible and tolerant nowadays, not at yeah. the beginning, but nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as I said, when when we are uh, rowing strong, for instance, we know so much each other that we don't need, we almost don't need to talk to each other. Each other. We understand each other. If, if I change, for instance, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the stroke. So uh, when, I, when I change the rhythm, I actually I don't need to tell him because he 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 understands and he sees that I'm changing, for instance. Uh, so it becomes becomes much easier. Yeah, you can save your breath. You don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he makes a mistake, I don't need to complain because I know that he knows how to do something happened, yes. and uh, probably the same when I make a mistake and he knows that the next. Is going to be okay. When you're racing together on a on a long course, who does the calls? Who who says what you're going to do? Yeah, usually Beto is the one who who says what to do. But it doesn't mean that I do what he wants me to do all the time. <laughs> really. We we already won races just because I did what he asked me to do, and uh, and also other times I didn't do and we won also. And I believe I was right. But at the end, what believe what the most important thing is trust. Uh, if I don't do what he's asked me to do, he needs to trust me. And uh, I also need to trust him. Sometimes, for instance, I remember a time that we were racing an eight and uh, we were second. I, I was the stroke and he was behind me. And uh, it, we were having a hard time to come first. And he said, change your, your, your rhythm, do this and do that. And I did exactly what he asked me to do. And we won the race. So... Uh, this is another thing that we we learn rowing, rowing the importance to trust. Teamwork is important, but trust is, trust probably is the most important thing. And of course, 
you have to have the faith that you will try the thing that they are suggesting, even if in the moment you do not think. Or you, sometimes my brain doesn't move fast enough when I'm rowing no. and racing. You know, I can't think: is this right? Is this wrong? Sometimes it's just really good for someone to tell me what to do, and I just do it. Yeah. So, do you spend a lot of time afterwards talking about? why this works and or something else didn't work yes we have to we have to i would say that most of the time i listen and i do what other people that i trust are asking me to do but sometimes you have an instinct that you have to do something different then you have to also uh, believe in your instinct uh, but most of the time i believe that in order to be a good rower you have to have a good relationship with authority uh, people. Like the authority could be your coach, could be your rowing partner. So it's important to have this uh, healthy relationship with these figures, this kind of people. Uh, but at the same time, you have to trust your instinct. Sometimes everybody's saying to you, go right, and you, you have a feeling that you have to go left. And sometimes you have to go left. <laughs> very, it's very true. And it is one of the things that obviously experience teaches you. Do you find that, uh, can, you know, at what age did you start to feel this trust? Because when we're young and we're being taught, as you say, by authority figures who may be a coach or a parent or a school, you are used to doing as you are told. And then I think slowly the balance moves and you are allowed to say things or make suggestions. Did you notice this happening in your career? Uh, yeah, at the, at the beginning, I used to do 100% what the coach was asking me to do. And uh, I, 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 I as I said in the email, in 1994, we, we won, Pat and I, we won the cockless pair and the pair with cocks, uh, the Brazilian rowing championship. It was in 1994. After 43 years, that some, the state of Sao Paulo didn't win any race in the Brazilian championship. But in 1989, five years before, we lost a race because I did when the coach asked me to do. We Tell, lost me more about it. Tell me the exact story. Okay. We were like 17. It, it was, uh, I was seven, I was six, 16, 17. We were 17. Uh, and the coach asked, it was a four with Cox. Yeah. It was uh Beto and I and two more friends and I was the stroke and then the coach asked me to do like many short uh, how can I say strokes at the beginning yeah at the start yeah at the start and after after I finished when he asked me to do we were the last <laughs> in the race uh, and then we started to recover and then we finished just one second behind Flamengo. 
uh, and we had a wood boat. Yes. Uh, Fl Flamengo had, like Flamengo at that time, had an empacher, empacher. Wow. Uh, which was like kind of unique in Brazil in 1989. Uh, and we had a, a wood, a Brazilian wood made boat. So really heavy. And we, we, we lost for just one second. So at that time I lost, but you know, I was, I was really happy, but probably uh, uh, the more you compete and uh, you know yourself sometimes, and then you start to realize that you also have to listen your inner voice sometimes. It's really important to listen those who have more experience and who are watching you from outside, like they are watching you things that you are not watching. Okay, so that's really important. That's always important. But then you start to, to feel that you can make your own decisions also. And, uh, and as I said, to listen your intuition or an instinct. Uh, but at the beginning, I was like this, like 100, <laughs> what the coach used to ask me. But as I said, I can't complain because it's always a learning experience, a learning curve. Like we always learning something. For instance, at the time I learned that I, I had to, some, it's not always that the coach is right. His intention was 100% good. He, he, want, he wanted the best for us. And he was a nice guy. He wanted the best for us. He thought he was asking us to do the right thing. But what I learned is, okay, uh, but sometimes uh, we have to change or we have to do in a different way. That's really interesting. Now, you had a personal rowing dream. What was it? My rowing dream was to go to the Olympics. That happened, I didn't tell you, but that happened in 1980 when, when I was in my grand, grandfather farm. He was a farmer in Brazil. And I was watching the 1980 Olympics in Moscow. I was eight years old. And at that time, I was watching TV. I was watching Nadia Comaneci. Oh, yes, the perfect. Uh, on the yeah. gymnastic beam, yes. Yeah. At, that, at that moment, I thought I want to go one day to the Olympics. Uh, and then I, I that, that was my dream. In 1994, we finished. In my, That's not official, okay, but that's just my opinion. But I believe we finished as the best boat in Brazil, my partner and I, in 1994. And we were, uh, we we were going to in January. We were going to row again against a boat from Flamengo to decide which boat was going to go to the Pan American Games in Mar del Plata. And uh, we were going to row against the same boat that we won the Brazilian Championship. Yes, uh, it was going to be easy, but we had a good chances to go. And then I hurt my back. And I had oh. to stop rowing. Oh, the first yeah. was that your first big injury? Yeah, yeah. So and then I stopped. And uh, I believe that uh, our biggest chance to go to the Olympics would be Atlanta, 96. Yeah. 
if because my my coach went to Mar del Plata and said that we had chances to win the gold if we were there. Uh, so if we had won the gold and if we could keep improving, we had a good chances to go to Atlanta, I believe. Uh, but then I stopped rowing and I I I I said at that time I'm not going to row never again. <laughs> so I stayed 10 years doing nothing. Absolutely nothing during that 10 years. And then in 2004, a woman came to my office to talk about what I do here in Brazil. And uh, that that woman was uh, the <coughs> girlfriend of Beto, that uh, my, my partner. And he asked me, why don't you return? And I said, are you crazy? I'm already 32 years old. When I stopped, I was 22. I'm 32. For 10 years, I do nothing. I'm Now I'm working and I, I don't have time. So no, no way, never. I'm going to do that again. And, uh, and then the next morning, I called Beto. <laughs> <laughs> I called Beto. And then I asked him for to go for lunch with me. And I asked him, what if we return to end what we started? Uh, and, uh, and then I went to two doctors and he said, okay, yes. And I, I went to two doctors and both said that I, I wouldn't be able to return because of my back injury. Mm. And, uh, both said, no, you are not going to return. It's not possible for you to return to that level. Uh, and I said, oh. I said, okay, but I will try. And then I tried. And uh, after one year and three months, so I stayed from mid-2004 to the beginning of 2005, working my back yeah. uh, to make it stronger. And then we returned to row beginning of, of it was January 2005, we started again. And uh, March 2006, we had the first uh, competition in yeah. Brazil for the Pan American Games to select the rowers for the Pan American Games, March 2006. And we finished second in the Cockless Pair. So, and then we were, we were back to the national team after that, after just one year and three months rowing. Did Roberto try and continue in the national team after you injured your back? Or did he also just row for the club? No, he continued. He continued. But as her girlfriend said, he wasn't happy because he was happy just with me. So that's why I had to return. <laughs> so of course the girlfriend is the magic one. She She's the person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then we we went to the we went to the Pan American Games in Rio, and we finished second in the eight, losing just for the U.S. Uh, but in order to go to Peking, we had to go. We had to finish. We had to won. We had to finish first. Like we had to finish first in the Pan American Games to go to the World Cup 
in order to see if we could go to Peking. So because we finished second, so we, we couldn't go to the World Cup. So that's then, and then I stopped. But it was already okay too. Like for us, Pan-American Games in Brazil is really, really important because it's so difficult for us to win medals in the Olympics. In rowing, never had a, a medal in the Olympics in Brazil, never. But rowing, many. So yeah. for us, uh, for this Brazilian sport, it's very important for the Pan-American Games because it's, it's when, where we win medals and we go to the TV and uh, then we have marketing for the sport. So it's really important for us. So what an amazing story, a, a comeback, you know, which many people would not believe is possible. And from this, you must have learned a lot of life lessons about things that happen in rowing, but are useful outside rowing. Yeah. Tell us. Uh, many lessons. One of them is uh, listen to your heart. <laughs> like or listen to your soul or something similar uh, if you are emotionally balanced and you listen to a voice that you have to keep going or you have to try you have to try this is one thing because the doctor said you you won't make it and I thought uh, I'm not the one who is going to say, or it's not a doctor, it's the nature, the future, God, whatever is going to say. So let me wait. Uh, I'm not the one who is going to tell you are going to do or not. I will try. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, when, uh, when we are rowing, when I, when I was rowing, for instance, for the national team, we had to go to row like 11, 12 times a week. Sometimes in, it was cold, it was raining, we were tired, and we had to, we had many, many blisters in the hand, and uh, we had to, yeah, we had to manage so many things. And uh, so, and that, how can I, uh, and then after a while, you see, you understand that you can do that. No, you can do. You can wake up at four in the morning, and you can go to the rowing club, and then you can go to the university, or you can go to work, and sometimes you can row again in the afternoon or at night. Uh, and uh, and we, it's so. For those who are not, for those who have never rowed, they believe we are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that it's it's insane what we do, but we can do, and uh, and we can use this this uh, what we we can use these experiences in in life when we are tired, when we want to give up because sometimes you roll like one year, two years for one competition, and uh, you get you. You have to give up. You have to stop going out with your friends, or you have to go to bed early. Uh, you are not going to drink what you want or to eat what you want, uh, and uh, no one tells you that. Okay, you are not going to drink. You are not going to eat. You are not going to get out. You are not going to travel with your friends. 
and you are going to receive the prize, the award or the prize. It, it's maybe, yes, <laughs> maybe, <yes. laughs> maybe you are going to get a medal, maybe. Okay, so you have to trust yourself and have faith. And that's a good lesson for life. Uh, another thing is how important is, for instance, in rowing, many times I rowed with people that I didn't like. Uh, but when we were together in the boat, you have to do your best to help him to do his best. Uh, even if you don't like that person. Because if you don't do your best to help that person you don't like, you're not going to win, probably. So, and that helps in life also. It's sometimes we, we have to work with people or that we actually don't like. <laughs> we wouldn't invite that person to go at night to your house to eat a pizza or eat something. Uh, but rowing teaches it, for, in my opinion. Okay. So, what else? Uh, to have a, a goal, for instance, right now, I, I, I'm talking to a friend because we want to go to Brandenburg in 2024 for the World Master regard. Yes. Okay. For those who, for those rowers that I'm talking that have already been in the national team or have already competed um, um, in the past, they understand when you say, okay, it's time for us, it's two years, we are not in a hurry, it's, we are in an age that's not mandatory to go, we, we, maybe we don't go, we don't know, but if we want to go, we have to start thinking now. And some people have to start to manage their finance, when, and we have to, to start rowing. Uh, but for those who, who are rowing, or right now, and never, never rode in the high, in a high, how can I say, high level, yeah. in the good competitions, they don't understand. They want to decide like three months before or four months before. Okay. And I said, no, I'm not going to spend my money <laughs> going to Germany <laughs> because if I want to spend my money rowing four months before to the competition, I'm going to spend my, that money with my family, traveling yes. with my family. Okay, if I go with my friends to row, uh, I'm not saying I'm going to win, but I want to row to win. And yes. that's, not, that's not about right now in my age, that's not about ambition. It's about to do the best you can with your friends. If you win, it's great. If you don't win, it's great. But at least you have that feeling that you did your best. Yes. That, that, that's really, really uh, nice to have that feeling that, you, okay, we did it. And uh, I was talking to a friend uh, like maybe two hours ago. Uh, he used to be my coach. Now we rode together. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I, we were talking about Brandenburg and we talked, okay, it's even if we don't go, for instance, without a goal, it's really hard for me to row. <laughs> I, 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 my discipline is really high when I have an, a goal. When I don't have a goal, I don't have discipline. I, <laughs> so, and, I, and he's the same. And we were talking about it. Okay, let's put a goal because otherwise I, I don't go to the rowing club. 
Yeah. So if we put a goal like Brandenburg 2014-24, that's something that help us to go, help us uh, uh, to meet. So uh, we were talking, if we have a goal, we are going to roll more times together. We are going to see each other more. Uh, and it's important. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to help our health. And if we don't go to Brandenburg, we are going to have so many benefits because we had that goal. And if we go to Brandenburg, we are going to roll, roll to win. Because, and uh, if we win with friends, it's so amazing when we are friends. And now we have the right to choose. At the past, we didn't have the right to choose. We have to roll with, with that. That's that different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was in the national team, I had absolute no right to choose. But now I have. So it's, it's even nicer. Now it's nicer. It is even nicer. Masters rowing definitely has some benefits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alex, that's wonderful. Brilliant insight into not only your own personal experience, but also how <laughs> robustly you had to face some really big challenges, which you know many of us never, never, ever get. And to defy two doctors and return to rowing at the highest level is, in itself an incredible achievement. And you obviously have your Pan American medal. Yes, I have, but not with me now, <laughs> but that I have, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's been wonderful talking to you, hearing a little bit about rowing in Brazil and your own personal journey through sport. Personally, I very much hope that we will meet in Brandenburg or if you choose to go to South Africa the year before, which maybe, is my next goal. Uh, maybe we will meet then. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Okay, thank you. So this has been Rowing Chat with me, Rebecca Caro, and you can subscribe to get a weekly email with notifications of new episodes. Go to rowing.chat and you'll find the sign up form there. Please tell your friends and leave a review. Um, and if you have any suggestions of people who I might interview in the future, let me know. Till next time.